so excited for this next partnership. I love CBD. I love hemp. They have both helped me so much in my wellness journey. And I'm always open to partnering with amazing brands that can help others. And Feel Good Hemp was started by Noah. Noah's father was diagnosed with cancer and he was on a mission to heal him. And that's what he did. He created this amazing brand of tinctures, gels, and bombs. The bomb is called The Bomb. It's really amazing. It has the cleanest ingredients, just oils and hemp. What more can you want from that? He's been so, so sweet to give my listeners a code, 25% off, free shipping. If you use the code DIVINE25 at checkout, uh, it's basically the subscription coupon, but you're not subscribing. You're just getting the deal. What's better than that? Thank you, Noah. We really appreciate you. And yeah, so go to Feel Good Hemp and check him out. DIVINE25 at checkout. And let me know what you guys think about it. Welcome back to Divine Healing by D. Today we have on Sivan Hassett and Rachel. We're going to be talking about entering the mind. It's about the age-old meditation practices that take you straight into the mind in its natural state, the state of pure consciousness. It's the Tibetan tradition of Jokchen, and it's the highest wisdom practice known to man. So we're going to talk about how to basically free from free yourself from depression fear anxiety anger aggression worry and more and he is the writer editor and publisher of ryan material magazine a decades-long practicer of jokshan and he and his wife she's also a skilled practitioner they're committed to bring it and bring it to the world and tell my listeners all about it so here they are hope you guys enjoy it to the tradition um i i kind of stumbled on the tradition about 30 some years ago uh just by seeking you know the the natural uh path one takes to find their higher self and uh you know i was going through the teachings of the world of buddhism and even sufism and just uh native american traditions but stumbled on Chen and realized that this was the one that it had it was answering every one of my questions um so then that was it i just sat down and started practicing amazing great and what is it exactly for people who don't know what zogchen is zogchen is specifically pointing every practitioner towards the nature of their own mind which is um it's the mind that gives rise to the mind that we use every single day it's uh the conceptual mind is born out of the natural non-conceptual mind and there's very few teachings that show us how to recognize this mind but Dzogchen does I see and do people have to be uh, practicing Buddhist to practice Dzogchen or anyone can practice it not anyone can practice it it's um it's it is considered the peak of Buddhism at the same Mm -hmm. time it would be like looking at a mountain that is Buddhism um, and above that mountain is an open sky, and this would be Dzogchen. So in one sense, uh, it's what everybody's aiming for in Buddhism, but once you've arrived into Dzogchen, you could be a practitioner of any kind. It doesn't have any lineage that it adheres to. 
That's great. And are there any misconceptions about it? Well, I don't even know if there's many conceptions about it because most people <laughs> that we speak to um, <laughs> haven't even heard of it. So they're, right. they're of, uh, in speaking of it is that everybody's really curious and open to the concepts that are put forth um, about Dzogchen and, and it seems that everybody's it, it makes sense to them as well. So it's not raising any red flags and it shouldn't because it really does when you practice it and even reading the teachings, if you just want to approach it from an intellectual perspective, it, it they're very fulfilling. Um, so they're great. Great. That's awesome. And how can we start using it easily? Like how would we start a practice? Well, you would sit down and meditate and you would, um, you would be looking for the mind within the mind. And this does take some, uh, the ability to stabilize your own mind in terms of, you know, uh, breaking free of the thought process. You know, you want to kind of <clears throat> stabilize and look at this mind that's not doing much. And so the reason why we don't recognize it is because it doesn't do much. But the fact that it isn't doing anything, it's like space, which gives rise mm -hmm. to everything within space. So uh, a practitioner would basically sit down, look into their own mind through meditation, observe this space of mind that's not doing much, and that's where their focus goes. They begin to sit and observe, and in this observance, that mind that isn't doing much begins to speak. Um, and it doesn't speak literally. It begins to inform the experience of the practitioner in ways that are quite profound, and over years uh, develops a wisdom being that in no way could be developed in any other way. Ooh, I see. Exciting. So what inspired you to write the book? Well, I finally had some time um, <laughs> because wow. of the pandemic. Yeah. And also because of the pandemic, I was um, practicing day and night and really stumbling upon some major realizations, you know, after 30 years of practice of but living in a city and, you know, really being full on in the, the, the world around us, it was a slow process, but a, a very fulfilling process. And then um, I would say in the year or two before the pandemic, I was practicing quite a bit and really, really putting all my mind into it and recognizing uh, what the teachings were pointing me towards. And then the pandemic hit, and I, I was really uh, – things were becoming real for me. And mm -hmm. uh, it was about a year after that that I decided that maybe, maybe it's time for a Western practitioner to speak to these teachings as opposed to a great Tibetan master um, because that, I thought that could be quite helpful to the rest of us practitioners who really are seeking ways in – that don't employ the very old Tibetan metaphors and, um, you know, just kind of, the, they speak in uh, many times in abstract terms. So it makes it quite difficult for a practitioner to really understand the teaching. So I really wanted the book to be that, to be kind of a, a, a guidebook in. And I think it, I think it came out pretty well. I think so. Okay. So can you, Tell us some stories about people that may have, you know, they've changed their lives or like for, for the better, obviously, and uh, changed their mindset, maybe relationships with other people from practicing it. 
Um, well, I could step in here and say that I'm um, newer to the practice than C. Um, C introduced me to it. And um, so I've been a practitioner now just for a few years. And I can say from a personal experience that I've I've really um, I really now um, experience on a daily basis a change within my um, perspective on life, and mm-hmm. and I mean that in a in a it, it's subtle, but in moments of stress or anxiety, it's quite radical, and and I feel that. Um, I'm able to encounter my life around me and people around me in a much more peaceful manner, in a much more calming manner. And I, I, I notice that if anxiety does rise up in me, I'm able to recognize that anxiety and literally stare it in the face before it becomes a reaction. And so I'm able to um, you know, be in the presence of others and be in the presence of myself um, with much less anxiety and fear than I had before. And um, and I think this is um, a profound sensation. But again, as, as C says, it happens over a period of time. So it's not something that happens instantly the moment you sit down and, you know, first start meditating. It does take a few months, maybe a year or so. Um, but this feeling of uh, calmness starts to pervade your everyday life and I must say that I personally feel that I'm benefiting from that immensely. That's great thank you for sharing that but was there any type of maybe emptiness that you experienced at first when you start? Um, Well yes it's you're really seeking to enter that state of emptiness and and when we refer to emptiness it's um, it's that emptiness equivalent to that of space but whereas space is completely empty this emptiness is aware it has a sense of awareness so it's not nothingness um, and in the process of meditation you're entering this medit you're entering this state of emptiness but you are aware of your awareness and this is where um, you know you're experiencing um, stillness and emptiness but consciousness arises within you and so it's never really that true feeling of emptiness there's a knowing that there is an awareness when we when uh, emptiness often refers to the idea that things aren't what we claim to be so when we we say a house house that makes mm-hmm. it substantial but when you begin to look at every label on that house you recognize that the house is not a house because it's made up of doors and windows and floors and ceilings, and each of those have their own labels, and each time you look at the label, it begins to fall apart. Same with our body. When you say, this body is mine, and you begin to look at the body piece by piece by piece, well, it doesn't amount to a body, and then ultimately, when you get down past all the labels, you're looking at, again, space. So this is where emptiness is. So things exist, but they don't exist as we perceive them. Exactly. And this is where, why, how we can claim it to be empty. It's empty of, of the name. It's empty of what we perceive it to be. I see. Okay. That makes, that makes sense. Are there any like groups of people that it could benefit it more or have you seen any, you know, more benefit from a group of people than the other groups? Besides? I think anybody, anybody who sits down to practice with their full 
heart and and a desire to understand who they are and and really what their purpose is on this planet um, will benefit because it's it's truly this, these teachings are meant for all sentient beings, all sentient consciousness. Now, the beautiful thing about being a human being is we have the ability to self-perceive. We have yeah. the ability to look within ourselves and try to understand at a deeper level. So any human can sit down with these teachings and, um, and benefit from them. But it's not going to benefit somebody who has no desire at all to uh, right. understand that's their spiritual aspect. Those people are just full on in, in the material world. It's probably not going to benefit them too much, at least not in this lifetime. I see. Okay. I would see that. You kind of have to have an open heart to practice, an open mind yeah. to practice the new modality. Yeah. That's right. So are there, are there any other healing modalities that maybe the two of you also practice that you think go hand in hand with Doxygen, like make it, like amplify it or just any other modalities that you guys enjoy to do? Um, well, uh, not specifically. I, I do practice vinyasa yoga and I do feel okay. that's really, really beautiful because it's really um, opening up that mind space while you are moving the body. And so I, I do believe that we are gifted with this wonderful human body. And so, you know, the unification of body, mind and soul is, is, is quite unique to the human experience. So I personally, um, I, I meditate first thing in the morning and then after my cup of coffee, then I jump on the yoga mat. And <laughs> I find that um, a really beautiful combination. Um, but C and I together, we do get out in nature a lot and we walk our dogs. We have these two beautiful dogs and we spend a lot of time in nature. And just walking in the presence of nature is such a beautiful heart opener. And, you know, we are in awe of the beautiful world around us. And, and again, although that, um, you know, these particular teachings speak to um, this awareness of emptiness, there is nothing that can compare to the beautiful world that we are living in. And so this, this practice itself is not a negation of our world. It, it actually, um, through recognizing the emptiness, ironically almost, you appreciate more and more the world around you, and nature can really bring you into that state of open heart. I see. Some lovely, lovely nature. Yep, nature is really powerful, especially for me since I'm a triple yes. earth sign. I just love, I just love doing earthy things. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I had the pleasure of growing up in um, in a village in the English countryside. My childhood is just me running around barefoot, getting like all gooey and wet in swamps and moats and things. <laughs> it's beautiful. I love it. Sounds like a wonderful childhood to me. <laughs> Thank you. So this just came up in my head. I just always wondered, do you think because the two of you practice dog chant and you have this, I guess, feeling like you're drawn to the Buddhist Buddhist tradition. Did you ever look into past lives to see if you were ever Buddhist as well? Do you know anything about that? Well, um, just to clarify, I, I don't consider myself a Buddhist. Um, I, I, I consider myself a Dzogchen practitioner. However, I think your question is absolutely valid in the sense that, you know, uh, you don't, you're not fully drawn to, I think, deeper spiritual teachings unless 
you have some sort of perhaps past history involved there. And it's very possible that I myself was a Buddhist practitioner in, in my last life. I was never really a Buddhist practitioner in this life. I studied the teachings, um, but I never, I never identified. Um, but Rachel might have a different sense on that. Um, yeah. No, I think I, I agree with you. I think that um, there's, I'm, I'm, I've become much more open and aware to the possibility of past lives since practicing mm-hmm. Zogchen. Um, I didn't really consider it before. Um, and maybe that's just because of my upbringing. Um, it didn't necessarily introduce that concept to me. But I do feel that past lives are are part of our history. I And I think that... Um, but that's, that's not necessary to say... That's not necessarily saying that um, it has to be sort of a Buddhist reincarnation from one life to another. I think if, if, if lives do... Um, reoccur with um, the same consciousness, then I believe that the beautiful part of that would be that there are many, many different types of lives, different different skins, different cultures, different religions. And I think, I would like to think that that would be the purpose of um, reincarnation. Yes, that's exactly what I was getting at. It's just a lot of people don't know why they're drawn to specific practices, religions, and then when they dig deep, they find out that they were uh, practicing those religions in past life. So I just always wondered if you guys had that knowledge or if you ever looked into it. Because at the end of the day, when we meditate and when we practice something like Dachshund, we always kind of have a, I guess, need or like a curiosity to look deeper into deeper into like why are we the way we are do you guys agree like yeah yeah. absolutely that's so true and actually now you've actually ignited my curiosity i think i might go off and do some digging (laughs) (laughs) like don't you think that the both of you are here to spread a message spread just the awareness of Chen? like it's not the first time you guys have been together it won't be the last like every time you come back there's something that you need to say and do I think so. I mean, I, I, my, you know, all my years on this planet was not about, uh, I was a teacher of literature, but uh, I pra- I've been practicing Dzogchen for quite a long time and never once thought that I was, <clears throat> was meant to spread the word up until I began to realize the profundity of those teachings and how, mm-hmm. how transformative they were. And so now I'm very carefully stepping into those waters, uh, not wanting to you know, misspeak to the teachings because it could be very you could very easily uh, lead someone uh, down the wrong path because you're you're when you're dealing with emptiness you know it's it's hard for a lot of people to get their head around that so you you really got to be careful with the language and and how you address the teachings. That being said, okay. I think I'm ready to move into that realm, um, but I'm I'm really taking my time and 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 stepping in with great care. Could you go into that more? Like, how do we? Ha- how do you have to be more careful? Well, it's really easy, you know. Like, if you really haven't stabilized in these teachings, you know, you can you can speak to them intellectually and mm-hmm. not have a very deep understanding of them experientially. And if that's the case, then it's very easy for the ego to step in and start speaking praises to yourself. 
And meanwhile, you're saying you're saying all the right things to the congregation of sorts. And but if you're not stable in the teachings, you can your ego can really get in the way, and it can really begin to pull people in the wrong direction. And and the the great masters speak to this problem all the time. So they just say, don't think about teaching, just continue to practice. And and that is kind of my mode at the moment. Um, mm-hmm. um, I'm not going to trust stepping into the teaching realm until I really feel absolutely stable in the practice. So for now, I'm letting the book speak to the teachings because the book was written almost directly out of kind of that meditative state of of deep uh, and clean awareness. Um, there was absolutely no ego attached at all to any of it, but it's different when you get out there and start working with people directly. Um, so I think it's the, you know, you just got to be conscious of, of who you are and where you're at with the teachings. Right. So is that what you mean when you say like labels disappear when the ego disappears, labels disappear while you practice? Totally. Totally. Yeah. The ego, the ego is, is, is part of the construct of, you know, the eye, the eye is front and center of everything we do. And out of that thoughts arise and judgment arises and just a whole complex array of ideas arise in relation to the I, which is basically the ego. And so, and, and that, that doesn't end until you really, when you enter the natural state, you observe uh-huh. firsthand that the ego falls away. And it's really spectacular. It's really just amazing to watch, watch what was so powerful in you just disappear. It has no foothold at all. Uh, then when you get out of practice and you haven't stabilized, it pops right back up. So you continually practice and the practice each time you get in there and practice and recognize the ego loses its power. So, you know, it's, it's, that's what I love about the practice is that each person can do it. And with time, each person will excel and progress. Awesome. Awesome. That's great. I feel like this is going to really get people excited to go look into it and try it. Well, that's great. I hope so. Yes. <laughs> and it's something that it's something that everyone can do. And, um, you know, again, um, we have to be kind to ourselves and generous with uh-huh. ourselves and, and know that it is something that you build up over time. So, you know, like with most practices, just start with a little bit each day and build up according to, you know, according to your capacity and accord, according to your time schedule. But, you know, if you do set aside a time each day to practice, then you will feel those benefits over within the first few months, I would say. And then, of course, years to come, it's progressive. So year after year, it just becomes more and more profound. Very, very nice. So, see, you have an English background. So do I. And I want to, yeah. Yeah. I'm sure your book is very well written, obviously. (laughs) But you also have a magazine, Riot Material Magazine. Can you tell us more about that, how that started? Well, Riot Material is is a full representation of the material world, whereas Zogten is really moving into the, you know, non-material, non-conceptual. And I love the balance between the two, that the magazine speaks to, specifically speaks to the arts, speaks to film, um, uh, actually, the actual art world, you know, so gallery openings and reviews, uh, music, but it's coming from a literary perspective in that each each article is very well written, and 
you know, even even my best writers, you know, will submit a piece and then I, I'll step in and edit and make sure that it, it's it's up to the standard of the magazine. So the magazine is quite enjoyable that you can read a piece and not stumble on grave errors. And but it is it is it is an art magazine. It's a beautiful magazine that Rachel and I have been doing for about what, five or six years, maybe maybe more. And uh, it's 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 kind of beloved here in Los Angeles, but we cover New York and London as well. Oh, that's amazing. Okay, yeah. okay. If people want to, um, can people submit work ever? Like, how do you find people to write for you? Well, I'm always looking for good writers. I mean, you have to recognize your own skills. Um, if you really think you're um, a great writer with with good insights into art and literature and, and film, you know, I would love to speak with more with you. Um, you could also find the book at the magazine. We've kind of uh, created a section of the magazine. So if you go to entryinthemind.com, it takes you to the book page, but it also takes you to the magazine. So you could either type in riotmaterial.com or entryinthemind.com, and you kind of end up in the same area. Oh, great. That's exciting. So what's next for you guys? What's next? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. but right now we're doing a whole series of family vacations. We just got back from Hawaii from to see my, from see my brother, and celebrating my mom's birthday. And then in a couple of weeks we're going to Greece and Italy to see Rachel's family. So we're really taking it slow and easy and light. And then we might uh, do a couple week seminar, a Dzogchen retreat in September. So this year we're we're kind of a um, just taking it a little bit easy, and then we don't know exactly what we're going to be doing. Well, that's the exciting part, sometimes not knowing. Life is an adventure. Yeah, yeah that feels Absolutely. good. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys for coming on and telling us about blockchain. Can you tell us again where to find you, get the book? Yes, you can find us at enteringthemind.com, and that will take you through to um, our page, which hosts the book. And the tour, where we will also be publishing this fantastic conversation. And also a three-part podcast you can sign up for. And that is Chris and I speaking to the key concepts in the book. And that's just free with free subscription to the magazine. And the magazine is riotmaterial.com. So you can find us through either of those portals. Great. Sounds good. Thank you guys again. All the best. Thank, Thank you so you much, so much Davina. Thank you. Looking sure. forward to hearing Goodbye. the show and, and, and good luck on everything. Thank you so much. We'll be in touch. Right Thank, Thank you. you. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I just wanted to give you a friendly reminder. If you like what you're listening to, if you like my content, if you like my podcast episodes, really appreciate ratings on Apple, reviews, subscribe, share to your friends, family, anyone you really think would benefit it. And thank you always for the support.